Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United. Barcelona beating Manchester United. And part of the Nighty Min Podcast Network, I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett, who is repping Manchester United gear today. Yeah, not always in the merch, but this is old. I've had this a while. So repping it after a fantastic night at Old Trafford, which I wasn't there for once, but you were there for once. So, Scott, how was it? I'm exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel after every game. I'm exhausted. Um Barcelona's in credit to them. They they took the sting out of the night a little bit in the first half. Um, United weren't great in the first half, but then as soon as they woke up in the second half, scored early on, it just it came to life. It really did, and it's really nice to see the feeling, the good feeling back at Old Trafford. I and mean, it was a, it was an air of confidence in there. Everyone I spoke to was confident that we'd win, and so was I. Even at one nil down, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, Rob. But uh, yeah, lovely to be back. Lovely to be back, and I'll be there on Sunday as well for the uh, Carabao Cup final, which should be interesting. Something we'll be talking about on today's show, but we'll talk about the Barca game as well. What changed at halftime? What did Eric Ten Hag do? What did Anthony do? What did Fred do? Uh, United have also drawn Real Betis in the last 16 of the Europa League, another Spanish opponent. And like I said, we'll look forward to the uh, Newcastle game. And Eric Ten Hag has popped out some comments which could be considered inflammatory ahead of a uh, cup final. But maybe he wants to just perk up the ears of the referees to say, hey, let me clamp down on this because I can't be be dealing with that. Um, But yes, we'll we'll get into a bunch of things now. But uh, the plugs have to come first. You have to subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts on audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays as well to break down everything around United. YouTube as well. We are also there. Like this video if you're watching it. If you're not, please do subscribe, join the community, leave a comment for us as well. And uh, follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. This is uh, post-Barcelona game. Rob, what did you make of it? Well, I felt a little bit like you, as you just said there. Uh, we we rolled into half time, didn't we? And it felt like, oh, we've not played well. Oh, no, that was a horrible penalty. They're 1-0 up. I kind of feel all right. Kind of feel that if Eric gets the boys in the dressing room, that they'll all come out, dust themselves off and get on with it. And that's what happened. So I'd like to thank Barcelona for turning up and allowing that to happen because they're a good team, but we're better than them. And I think that showed in that second half. Um, they're top of La Liga. We're, you know, we're aspiring to be top of our own division. But I think you just saw, again, how Eric Ten Hag has this incredible control over the team in terms of their outlet and their emotions and what they need to do on, on a football pitch. To come out and get that goal straight away with Fred completely changed the game. And Barcelona couldn't cope. Yeah, it's 
Ten Hag has a, a few little tweaks he'll make to his tactics, and he's stuck with, you know, Veghorst up front, Rashford left, and Sancho in the 10. Like we said about on Sunday, worked. It didn't work mm. last night, but then he switched it around and found something that did, didn't he? Yeah, and it doesn't matter that it didn't work because it doesn't always work. Like, this is the whole thing the about tactics. Changes, right? Yeah, well, well, look, if you, if you played the same 11 every week with the same tactics and you were the best team in the world, then you would hope to win every week. But it doesn't mean you do, does it? It means that sometimes the opponent works you out. So I actually think, you know, credit to Barcelona, I'd say for maybe 30, 35 minutes of the game in that first half where they'd worked out what United were trying to do in midfield. And that was that Fred was trying to man-mark Frankie de Jong. And Frankie was on his roller skates going anywhere on the pitch going, well, you, you chase me then and I'll just run the game. And I think Frankie de Jong had a good 30, 40 minutes where he ran the game and Fred looked like he was just running, you know, through kind of the fog, not quite sure what he was doing. Old school Fred. Then new school Fred comes out in the second half, rolls the ball down his shin and puts it into the bottom corner and then has a stellar second half. So this is, again, the kind of... um, the strange kind of elements that we have at Manchester United still where consistency kind of comes and goes. But you saw in that second half that Barcelona then felt like rabbit in headlights, didn't they? They felt like, oh no, they've scored and now we're in trouble and they didn't have the personality to break out. Don't want to kind of put down Xavi too much, but the team is a little bit like Xavi in the sense that it's not really full of personality, is it? No offence, Xavi. Like, you know, Xavi doesn't really, he doesn't have that outwardness, does he, as a, as a coach? You can even see on the touchline, he kind of just stands for a bit. Reminds me a little bit of Ole, you know, but obviously a legend. And on the first trip of his coaching um, kind of future here with Barcelona, he's done really well this season. But you could see he didn't really have the tools to change it in the second half and neither did his team. Fred. <laughs> we've talked Fred. about Fred a ton the of Red. times and we've said... I did a poll the other day. What's Fred going to be today? Terrible or incredible? And it's just, even within games, he can pivot from being awful to incredible. I don't think he was terrible last night in the first half, but Frankie de Jong did. He had a spell, but then Fred, after after half time, was just, he was called a mosquito. Uh, and that was Eric, the, the job Eric Ten Hag gave to him was to be a mosquito and to close down Frankie de Jong at every opportunity that he possibly could. Hmm. And it ended up, like, Fred gets a lot of stick Right, and probably a lot of it is 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 deserved, rightly so. But he is a player that has often been played in the wrong role, and I thought what we're finding here is that Eric Ten Hag is finding the right role to get the best out of him. Yeah, or what we could say is that when there are tactical changes, that he is leaning on Fred's strengths rather than his weaknesses. So again, going back in time, I think with Fred, when you've seen bad performances. Someone thought to the manager, well, why are you just not changing that? Like, take away that element and try and push him and doing stuff that he's better at. So I think the big change last night, kind of just touched there about the first half, second half, De Jong and not De Jong, was that Fred in the second half managed to get beyond De Jong. So when De Jong has to go backwards and work out what's happening here, it's a lot, lot more difficult for him than working out what's going on there in front of him. So if he can see Fred coming towards him, 
I can deal with that all day long. Once Fred has run past him as a number eight, then De Jong's like, what am I, number six, number eight? Oh my God, Old Trafford's really loud. Do I want to move to Manchester or not? Do Barcelona love me? Would they pay me? All that stuff, I think, runs through his head. So I think that was the big change, I say, is that Fred just got on his bike and went, right, I'm going towards the box and you're going to have to come back with me rather than when you get the ball, I'll chase you because that just doesn't work, does it? So a mosquito, I think, is a really, really good like, little kind of analogy of what he was last night. Shall we pour one out for Frankie de Jong? <laughs> Why not? Just because uh, there was... He had... He had a... Nobody... Like we said this on another show. Nobody knows Frankie de Jong better than Eric Ten Hag. So nobody knows how to get the best out of Frankie de Jong better than Eric Ten Hag. And also nobody knows how to make Frankie de Jong look worse than Eric mm-hmm. Ten Hag possibly does. I don't think he was terrible on the night, but Ten Hag knows how to how to work him out, right? And Frankie de Jong had, he had a, he was booed when he came out. Uh, he had chance of Frankie watch the score um, <laughs> coming at him after the game. He was whistled and booed as he left the arena. And Bruno Fernandes booted the ball straight at him as well, which uh, I burst out laughing at. Absolutely. And and I think the thing is with Frankie, as I said, I, I did think that in the first half, he ran big chunks of the game and he did it well. And we got a little kind of insight into what De Jong at Man United could look like if he was, say, the 6'8 for United working with Casemiro. I think it would be delicious, very nice to watch. But yes, Ten Hag knows how to kind of nullify him as well when we saw that in the second half. So it shows that De Jong's not the perfect player. Like we know he is really, really good. It was quite interesting, wasn't it, before the game? Obviously, the cameras at Old Trafford catching De Jong, looking around the empty Old Trafford on his own, kind of going... Was looking, that actually the case? Because I didn't see around, that. Oh, I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, it, I think more was made of it than it really was. Yeah. But he was in front of the Stretford end with an empty Stretford end. And he was kind of like looking around and he was like, hmm. And and you think to yourself, Frankie, you know, there's cameras there. Like you don't want to be doing that unless, of course, you want people to know you're doing that. So he was kind of it was quite outward for someone who was like supposed to be training while his other mates were running around. So I don't think he wants to come to Man United, but I think he's kind of showing his appreciation there of the the football club. Of course, Xavi did a lot of that, didn't he, as well? Xavi's like, Old Trafford's fantastic. Manchester United are back. You know, he kept he said that so many times now. I think they're back. They're a really, really good team again. Um, and I think they proved it on the night. You know, I think they were deserved winners. I think the atmosphere was absolutely outstanding at Old Trafford. And it's just good, isn't it, that you can go into these huge matches and play your football. Go and play, be the best version of yourself, like we said before the game. And take that now week to week, because that has always been the thing I think that United have suffered with over many years is that they've just had no identity. Ten Hag has given them that identity. We have talked about Fred. Uh, I did want to mention a few more players. Uh, seeing Lisandro Martinez, I, he, he, I think he is my favourite player. He, he is just... He, the, the amount of S-housery going through that team at the moment is is just there for all to see. The Bruno kicking fr- kicking the ball at Frankie thing was a kind of yeah, that's paying you off for wasting our time in the summer. I don't know, maybe I'm sure they'll make up if Frankie does end up coming to United. But I love Lisandro Martinez. He just takes no nonsense at all. Rafa Varane making a hell of a difference. Those two as a back pairing are just really sturdy, really solid. Soft penalty Bruno gave away. 
you know, I think it, I think it was, but in in the grand scheme of things, United have qualified, so let's let's move on from that. But I did want to shout out uh, Anthony because I think he changed the game. Uh, like I don't know what you made of it, but mm. in the first half, United were they didn't really have that threat in behind. They didn't have any real pace apart from Marcus Rashford, but they couldn't involve him in the game at all. And there were times where I thought in the first half they should move him to the right-hand side. They did for the last three minutes of the first half. Um, but they obviously, Falk Veghorst couldn't really get involved. There was actually a fellow with a goat horse on the back of his shirt up at Old Trafford <laughs> last night. Which was quite that funny. was you, Scott. That was actually me. That was actually me. Uh, but Veghorst was, was withdrawn at halftime and Anthony was brought on. He's been out with injury for a while. Hmm. But straight away, you could see the difference. And it gave United an additional threat in behind. And you could see from United scored before this, but the lofted ball forward and Anthony running in behind. I can't remember who it was. Um, uh, Christensen, I want to say. Uh, running in behind. The, the chance didn't, it wasn't converted or anything, but it's just that was the example of the threat that that he brought in. And it just transformed United's play and United's approach completely. And obviously... He got the goal that won the game as well with a lovely finish that was typical of him. He's had a hard time this season. Uh, I think largely unfairly. But uh, do you think... You, there's just suggestions that United's attackers are starting to fire now. We haven't got course exactly firing in terms of goals, but Sancho's revival is there. Wasn't great last night, but you know he, he's on the way. Anthony coming back in, getting involved. He'll take a lot of confidence from that as well. What did you make of him, Rob? Yeah, I said at half time that because of the way the game was going, that you had to get Anthony on. So I was delighted to see that almost immediately he was warming up and he was out there after I'd said that. Um, I, I think I said at half time as well, you know, this is the thing about shape, isn't it? And positions is that the week before, those shapes and positions worked really well, but against Barcelona, Barcelona kind of nullified them, worked them out. So what could you do? Well, I think the obvious thing was to bring on Anthony and have that inverted width. So someone who could come outside, come in with the ball and make that straight line run as well. We saw that all night long. His goal was part of that coming into the box, that edge of the box and being able to finish so well. Um, I think that 100% what you said there, you know, all of the criticism that he's got, it's just hot air. It really is. And it kind of just stinks because I don't think he's done that much wrong. Okay, for an £80 million player, £90 million player, people have expectations. There's no problem with that. But he's nowhere near as bad as people say. He really, really isn't. So when he came on last night, I, I, I was happy. I was like, yeah, he will give us a bit more bite. He's aggressive. He's direct. He, he knows what the team does because he's been part of it all season long, but it's just been out recently. Uh, and I was really delighted for him for his goal because that finish is an Anthony finish, isn't it? Coming into, onto your left foot, the ball coming out to you. He's the best player in the channel on the right-hand side for that ball to drop to without a shadow of a doubt. That's why you brought him on. So much better balance in the second half with Anthony on. And I do think now he probably is a starter for the finals, which we'll talk about as we go along today, because... He just gives you that balance. But then you have to decide other things about Bruno at 10 or are you going to play Bruno more as an eight or are you going to play Bruno somewhere else? Rashford, will Rashford even be fit now? There is a doubt about his fitness. He came off last night. Eric Ten Hag has just said in this presser only very recently that he does not know if he'll be available. Might be a bit of kidology, but we don't know if it's true or not. Uh, and then you've got to decide He did limp same. off right in front of me. Down. He did limp off. And, yeah. and actually 20 minutes before he limped off, he got crunched in the box, didn't he? And he, he kind of got up and he, he it took a while to get up and 
I thought, uh, that looks like something he might have to run off. But if he can't run it off, then you're going to have to get him off quickly. So he, he did kind of stay the course, didn't he? In the end, he, almost to the end of the game, um, he but... removed his boot as he as he left the, as, he, as he left the ground. He removed his boot and limped down the touchline. Yeah, with, with Martial being confirmed out of the final, he's been confirmed as not being available now for that game. Uh, it's it would be catastrophic if Rashford is not available for the final. So that's a big, big kind of question mark now for Manchester United's aspirations to win this trophy. But again, it's the balance, isn't it? Like I said, Sancho, you know, I think is building up his fitness and his confidence. But you did see last night, he kind of did fall off a cliff at number 10. He didn't really know what to do. You know, the ball wasn't popping off him like it was the game before. And maybe he's better off the bench. So at the moment, if you give him a kind of a smaller task, not an hour, but give him something like 30, 35 minutes. So really, really interesting to see what Ten Hag will do. But, you know, we'll talk around selection in our preview part of the show. Any final thoughts on the Barca game, Rob? Because that is uh, that has come and gone. But it's just nice to have confidence in United again, I guess. Yeah, totally. And we're going back to Spain. So the draw has just been made. Uh, Real Betis have come out of the hat with us. Uh, they are fifth in La Liga at the moment. They're having a decent season. And they're a club that have got better over the last two or three years. So it's going to be a tough, tough game for Man United. But I think once you've beaten Barcelona, you're going to go into these matches now just feeling better, aren't you? You're going to like, we can take these these teams because they, they don't have maybe the skill level of a team like Barca. So um, a nice draw. I think that's OK for United. As Eric said last night, which I loved, he went, I don't really care who we draw. We just do what we do now. And we, we can't control those things. We only think about the things that we can control. Incidentally, Manchester United are the favourites to win the Europa League ahead of Arsenal. Read into that what you will. Uh, but yes, well, Real we're Betis. Because and... we're the better team, that's why. <laughs> With Real Betis are next up. Arsenal have drawn Sporting, uh, Bruno's former club, Sporting. Yep. So, difficult one for them. Uh, but we'll see how the how this plays out in They're the next through. few weeks. They'll beat Sporting. I'm sure they'll be fine. Because I'm not jinxing them at all. <laughs> right, cup final on Sunday then. Marcus Rashford injury. Uh, like we mm. mentioned there, he... He limped down the touchline, posted it on his Instagram story as well with a little sicky emoji. I don't know if you saw that, uh, Ten Hag has refute as is unable to confirm if he'll play. I think he'd be fine. Uh, just a, just a hunch. I think he'd be okay. But um, yeah, I mean, the thing that's been leveled at United as as it always is is how will they cope without Rashford? Hmm. Rashford scoring all their goals. We didn't score last night. Rashford scoring all their goals and, and all this stuff. How will they cope without him? You know, obviously he needs to play, but I think with Sancho, Anthony, Bruno all in there, I think United do have, they don't have that direct threat in behind perhaps that Rashford brings uh, and the form that Rashford's bringing as well. But I think if he can make the squad, it'd be a plus, but I don't think it's, it's absolute disaster if he does miss out. Well, uh, I disagree. I think it would yeah. be a disaster. It's a disaster in the sense that Marcus Rashford, on form, is the best player in the world. So if you lose your best player in the world, that is like that is catastrophic. I don't think it is going to be the one reason why you win or lose the football match. But Rashford is so hot, it just gives Newcastle so much more to think about, especially when you think about the Kieran Trippier angle. You know, what does Trippier have to do? If he's allowed to get forward, he's going to punish you. He's going to hurt you. If he has to defend more, then he's a very average defender, I think, in those moments, one-on-one. 
So I, I, I don't think that Marcus being out would be the, the end game for United. But I do think that if you want to go there and be the best version of United again, I know I keep saying that. I know it sounds boring. Rashford's integral because you don't have Martial. If you had Martial available, then I think that would be different. I'm going to make a little bit of a bold prediction here. And that if Man United do win this, I think the winner's going to come from Veghorst. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right, because I think the thing with Veghorst is that, like last night against Barcelona, yes, he's not particularly effective. He's a little bit slow. He's a bit, a little bit unorthodox. People are still not giving him credit for the press. Yeah, so even last night, I thought up until that point of the first half, he was still the guy kind of getting out and keeping United shape. That's going to be really important against Newcastle. You can't be playing, you know, ball on the deck and thinking everything has to be silky smooth. You've still got to press. You've got to work together. So he will definitely play if Rashford is out, uh, undoubtedly. But I get a feeling he will still play even if Rashford is in. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and we might when... see him back at 10. We might see him back at 10 and dropping in and out a little bit more or, or just kind of leading the press. We haven't mentioned Garnacho. He came on and made a difference as well with his bleach blonde hair. <laughs> Be rocking up to Rembley with that. I think he's actually done some... He did a, a post after the game which uh, was ribbing Pedri a little bit, uh, which is interesting. Uh, but yeah, anyway, back to back to Wembley on Sunday. So let's get into we'll get into how United approach beating Newcastle in a second. But I'll just read out what Eric Ten Hag has said about Newcastle in his pre-match press conference. He described Newcastle as annoying. They try to annoy you. If you see from the FA, referees want to play effective time. They have the lowest in the league. They're quite successful with it. It is up to us to get the speed in the game, but we're dependent on the referee as well. I'm not in the instructions of the opponents, so I don't know. I can't influence that. We have to focus on playing football and when the ball is in the game <laughs> and fully concentrate on that. Don't get distracted from whatever is on the pitch. We just have to find a way. Uh, and Harry is even dropping in uh, in the comment section. He did actually mention this to us about an Arsenal fa- uh, when Arsenal played Newcastle about the amount of time that uh, Newcastle were wasting at the Emirates, I believe it was. Uh it is a thing that they do, Harry. I, I didn't, I didn't give you any, any complaints there or anything like that. But Rob, what's Eric Ten Hag doing there? Do you is he putting pressure on referees to kind of clamp down on it? Uh, is he just what's what's his method there? Do you think? I think he is. I think he's kind of putting a message out there without saying it like completely directly. Like it's kind of indirect, but you know what he's talking about. Man United have had quite a few bad refereeing decisions in the last few weeks. Now, that's not to say that that only happens to Man United. It happens to every team, doesn't it? But there's even last night against Barcelona, I thought it was a pretty bad refereeing performance overall. Like some of the decisions were weird and warped. I actually thought the penalty was a penalty. I thought Bruno did kind of Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. put his hand out and that means that as soon as you make contact for that you're giving the referee something to think about but I think he's also talking there about Newcastle and Newcastle style people think of Eddie Howe at Bournemouth of being a kind of quite expansive coach but 
His Bournemouth teams were never that expansive, really. They had good controller games. They had good philosophy and method to kind of make sure they stayed in matches. And Newcastle feel like an expanded version of that. So they're not full of stars, Newcastle. They've got some really good players. They've had an obviously an extraordinary season where they were for maybe a year or two ago. But I think Ten Hag is just putting it out there with this cup final coming out saying, we know what they are. You know what we are. And we're going to be the aggressors. Because he kind of talked about tempo and pace. And he was like, it's up to us to do our jobs. And I think that's key. I think, again, you know, when you look at United, first half's not particularly great. Second half's world class. So United need to find that balance in the cup final to make sure that in 90 minutes that they can beat Newcastle. I do think Newcastle's form has dipped a little bit. But again, form doesn't really count for anything when you're at Wembley. Newcastle are kind of draw specialists this season. Yeah, uh, they've drawn a hell of a lot of games, and I think, like like you said there, Rob, about winning it in ninety minutes or make sure. Well, you know, I have a lot of games. They have a game every three days at the moment. They can't really what well, they need to put this game to bed within ninety minutes. I think because mm-hmm. you've seen David De Gea in a penalty shootout, <laughs> you know, although and Loris Carius is in the other goal probably, so that would be quite the spectacle if it did end up going to penalties but you just I don't have too much confidence in United winning a penalty shootout at the moment uh, so I think United do need to really focus on getting this game won obviously because it's a cup final uh, but how do they go about making sure that they do win because you know if Marcus Rashford doesn't play that's a big threat that they've lost do you expect United to have a lot of possession here What? how do you think they'll approach it no, I think possession will be probably relatively 50-50 through the game. It, I think it's more about individual battles this and the duels. So, Bruno Gimmarish, what? how do you stop him doing the things that he's good at? Well, you make him defend. You make him go backwards again. So, I think Gimmarish on the front foot is kind of massively underrated. People don't talk about it as much. I think he's got those kind of number eight skills to his game. So what do you do with that? Well, if you're going to play Fred, and I get the feeling it will be Fred and not Sabitzer, um, then you need to do what you did against De Jong and run him the other way. Get right, you know, push him on the counter press, get him going the opposite direction, keep him away from goal. But then you look at the threats through Newcastle's team. You know, no one's really talked about Isak too much. He's a good young player. He's gone to the football club. He's got a very high ceiling. Um, you look on the other side. Almiron's had a great season, but has kind of fallen off a little bit hurt his wrist the other day. So that's also a thing that he's carrying, a little knock and a little injury. And it's those individual battles where United need to win those things to be able to get on the front foot. That's what happened against Barcelona. United suddenly became the counter-pressing team again, got the ball in midfield and were off. That's how you beat Newcastle. Newcastle, on the other hand, have, are much, much better defensively this year, aren't, aren't they? Like as we just said there, draw specialists. Very good at keeping the result at nil-nil for long periods of the game. So I think United need an early goal. Go into this game, get an early goal in the first 10, 15 minutes. That's why you need Rashford, because you need the kind of shock and awe. Get the get the game going in your direction in a cup final and keep control. I think if it's nil-nil, Scott, say in the 70th minute, 75th minute, then it's anyone's. Like Newcastle can counterpunch you, can or you can get Trippier with a set piece and you're in trouble. And they've got enough Newcastle, haven't they? And you've got to remember for them, in their project with... Saudi Arabia, this is their first step towards what they are going to be in the next two, three, four years. And that is Premier League champions. They will win the Premier League. They'll have too much money to not 
win it. They'll get there somehow like City did. So, so this is the first step. And I think they're very aware of that in Newcastle, that if they could beat Man United, the bragging rights are there. But you can then also say to the rest of the world, come play for our football club because we've just won a trophy and we're going to win a lot more. You could say the same about Manchester United. In that you sense. could there's, say... There's two teams uh, who haven't won a trophy for a long time. United's trophy drought is a lot shorter, however. And maybe, Scott, this is the difference when we talk about these things outwardly about a sports washing project and maybe a coach like Ten Hag coming in and working organically with a squad. I think that's the difference. Now, I'm not saying I'm not kind of belittle what Eddie Howe's done. I think he's done a brilliant job at Newcastle. Those players are much better than they were a year ago. But there's no doubt that the Sports Motion Project is going to invest loads of money into this and it was going to keep going and it will, it will escalate and be more and more and more. Eric Ten Hag, I like what he's doing. I don't feel that United need to go and buy £500 million worth of footballers. Like I don't know what you feel, Scott, but that's that's where I am with it. So I'd love United to win it just to prove that Ten Hag is the right guy for the job. Now, I think we all feel that now, but there were still people only a few weeks ago going, oh, well, you know, you Poch might have been better. And you're like, what? No, Eric's one of the best managers in the world. And he's showing that at Manchester United. What can winning, let's talk about this season. I, I mean, I spoke before the Barcelona game on just how big this week or half a week could be in terms mm. of the springboard for the rest of the season. Do you think this Man United team will take a hell of a lot of confidence from winning a trophy and trans and be able to use that in relation to other targets they have this season? Potentially. And I think that's always the ideology, isn't it? That if you win a minor trophy or a smaller trophy, that then you go on to the next step. Ten Hag is that kind of conservative guy. Like, that's how he thinks. Win this one, move on to the next one. So this is why we're not talking about United being in the Premier League title race, even though in theory they are. They still very much are with, you know, with the games that are left to go. That, you know, that 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 incremental difference between Arsenal City and Man United is still small enough to say it is a race. Um, but saying that, we don't have to kind of indulge in that, do we? You just, you've got a game in front of you now. It's Newcastle United, another team who are in a similar position to you in terms of their ambitions, and you need to go and beat them. And that's all that matters. Go there, beat them. You've won that first trophy. So uh, for me as well, I don't, I think it's more important to Ten Hag and the squad than it is to the fans in many ways. The fans want to win trophies. But we also want future success, don't we? So I think we feel good about those things, that Eric is doing the right thing. So even if you lose this game, and there is a chance you could, Newcastle are a decent side, they've done well this year, it doesn't really break the formula, does it? It doesn't stop United's pursuit of becoming a better football team towards the end of the season. So there'll be new signings next year, Scott. There might even be new owners. We don't really know what's happening there. There is this, you know, little birdies out there now tweeting away saying that we believe, obviously, that the Glazers might stay if they can sort their finances out. So that's still to come. What's most important is that Eric Ten Hag keeps developing this football squad. And we're seeing it, aren't we? From 11 lads on a football pitch, it's expanding to like 12, 13, 14, 15 this season. Players that weren't valid not so long ago are now proper squad members and you can use them in any football match. United have... This game against Newcastle, West Ham, then in the FA Cup in midweek on the horizon before mm-hmm. Anfield in a week and a bit. So, yeah, next Sunday. Let's, let's just say next Sunday. Uh, 
I just really think, Rob, I think this is this is a real pivotal time of the season for United. They have games every three days. What do you, why do you think that the squad management is going at the moment? Are you seeing any tiredness in there? Do you think Ten Hag is rotating correctly? How is he managing this? I think because he hasn't got a wide and expansive squad, a la Man City, I think he's just allowed injuries to dictate the rotation. And that's okay. You know, like if you look at if you look at someone like, say, Rafa Varane, who has got a really bad injury record over the last year or two for us, then it makes sense, doesn't it? Just to pull him out every now and then and stick a Lindelof in there. Not ideal, but that's what you do, isn't it? That's how you manage it. Or if you want to bring in um, Luke Shaw into the middle and then play Malassia, you can make these changes without much fuss. The system doesn't change, and that's what's key here. So I don't think that there's been any issue with his rotation. I think his rotation has been solid. But at the same time, he's not frivolous in his rotation. He's not like, let's change seven players every week just to keep everyone fresh. Well, if you do that and then lose football matches, what's the point? You need to still keep winning football matches. I like his ideology, Scott, of insisting that the next game is the most important and you must win it. And that's it. That's the kind of idea that you need in the modern game with a with the manager, and I think that's what Guardiola does. I think that's what Klopp does. Not they're not so successful at it this year, maybe in maybe years gone by. But I think Ten Hag showing that he's got a, a tight squad and that he can develop this squad more organically over the next year or two. He's just kind of got to, got to stick with it, Scott. That's the way I look at this now. Just just keep doing the same things because it does work. And his subs are doing things for him as well. Like these substitutes are coming on a football pitch and showing that there's no ego there. They're coming into the team to win with their teammates and they're doing it for their manager. My agenda is finished. So <laughs> let's let's freewheel it. Anything you particularly want to uh, highlight or just your general, maybe your general feeling at the moment as a, like compare yourself to when we were recording this podcast at this time last year. <laughs> oh dear. Forgotten tried to forget about those days, isn't it? Somebody but... tweeted about it last night, the Atletico Madrid ties in the Champions Ooh. League last year. Yeah. About how different it is. I think the difference is this, and I, I, you know, a lot of people tweet us, don't they? And we kind of, we don't respond to a lot of it because we just can't. It's just too much. But we're always appreciative if people highlight what they think to us, especially if they've watched the show. And uh, there was, there's been quite a few tweets in the last six months to me saying, oh, you were like this when Ole was the manager. You felt these things when Ole was the manager because you said this three, four years ago. I'd be completely straight up with you. No, I didn't feel these things. I really didn't. I was happy with what Oli was doing at that period of time because we'd just come out of the toxicity of Mourinho and we were trying to move towards something different, a bit more sustainable. Now, of course, we know what happened with Ole. I think with Eric, it is different. It feels so much more in control and tactical and expansive and that players have responsibility and they take responsibility, Scott, and they push themselves forward. You know, even last night where you bring on Scott McTominay for the last five minutes of the game, you know, Scott's coming on to do his job. There's no egos there. They're all helping each other. Now, I'm not quite sure we could say that about Man United over the last manager or the manager before that or even the manager before that. So Ten Hag has somehow done that in six months. And that's incredible. And I think we need to pay homage to him because 
even being in the top four and as comfortably as where United are at the moment compared to maybe some of the competitors, it's amazing. And he really, really has done it all on his own back, hasn't he? This is the Ten Hag way. One thing last night, Scott, saw as uh, as they won the game and Ten Hag went and patted Javi on the back. It's quite interesting to see Steve McLaren scuttle around the corner and come round up to the manager. And they both looked at each other, gave each other a bit of a hug. And I'm thinking, the back room, the back room is so much better than maybe it's been since, maybe since Carlos Quiros was at the football club. Mm -hmm. So you've got a former England manager as your right-hand man, you know, someone that's won the treble at Man United and has worked with Fergie. These little things count. Benny McCarthy, great striker, taking these boys and going, I'll show you how to finish. Suddenly we can finish the ball. These things matter. So these are the little details that maybe we don't talk about week to week and maybe fans don't as well. But when you weave them all together, I think this is why Manchester United are seeing now this period of success. And we all feel better about it. I'll finish the show with some comments uh, from the last video because some interesting ones, actually. Cyber recluse. Every week, cyber recluse. (laughs) You love this one, Rob. Scott, since you started to read the comments, it's only right that I come to offer my apologies to Rob. <laughs> As an erstwhile CR7 fanboy during the Ollie era, I was given constant pushback and sometimes hate to Rob in the comments. That interview was the last straw for me. So sorry, Rob, you were right. And thank you to Piers Morgan. Eric Ten Hag has brought us to light. And I see United's future will be bright. Did you mean to make that rhyme? Is my question to you. <laughs> uh that we said it at the time, Rob. That interview Ronaldo did was the best thing that I think could have possibly happened. Completely, completely. You know, like if 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 uh, if Ronnie wanted to jump out of the ship and overboard, so long, farewell, good luck in the future. I think the thing is with Cristiano, and kind of, you know, we don't need to dig too deep on it. Is that I, you know, we've always understood that he has this huge fan base that transcends football, it transcends Manchester United. But I don't care about that. I care about the football. And it's the football that's got to make sense. You know, if you play a game of chess, you can't just push the pieces over when you fancy it. You have to carry on playing the game. So I think with Cristiano out the team, we're just better. I think Veghorst makes Man United better, where Cristiano didn't make him better. And do I think that Veghorst is going to finish the ball better than CR7? Absolutely not. But we're winning more football matches. What's the stat that went round yesterday? 20 games at Old Trafford, 18 wins, two draws, no losses. There's your proof. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you love this player or love that player. The proof is there in the stats. So, yeah, no no worries. No need to apologise. Football goes backwards and forwards, and we know that. And sometimes we're right, and sometimes we're wrong. And I'm quite often wrong. I always hold my hands up to those things. It's how we are. But we just try and call it as we see it, don't we? And uh, this is the whole thing about what Man United need. You know what Man United really need? They need Anthony Martial to get fixed quick. We need him quickly to get fixed and play more games. And I think if you do that then the rest of this picture towards the end of the season becomes a lot clearer. The fact that you're going into this final now worrying about a Rashford injury because of Anti Martial being injured, that's a problem, isn't it, in your rotation? So um, if you can get Martial fit going towards the end of the season, then you could end up in some weird promised land that you didn't expect to be this season. Promised land. Nice one. Um, more comments. Uh, Mehar as well. I think you commented last time or frequent commenter Bruno blasting the ball at Frankie was for all of us fans in the moment. It was as if to say that's for wasting our time or last summer. 
<clears throat> Nick saying Sancho can be our version of David Silva. Interesting one. Might pick up on that in future. Uh, Steve saying, Rob, we haven't seen it on the field yet, but I know you talked about this before, but I'd be very interested to hear your thoughts on Bruno at false nine, Rashford left, Sancho 10 and Anthony on the right. I think the fluidity and movement would be absolutely incredible. And Bruno has the energy to press from the front as well. Love the show. I watch twice a week, like clockwork. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Uh, I've always uh, preached about Bruno as the false nine because again, I think even in Barcelona game, Bruno deeper, no thanks. Bruno in midfield, flicking the ball with his feet to no one. No thanks. Bruno at the top end of the football pitch, getting you assists and goals and being clever. Yes, please. So being a false nine would lead you into that. I do also understand that kind of think we've slightly moved away from the false nine model. Say like the Firmino models, I used to call it going back at Liverpool. And that was really successful two, three, four years ago. I think when you look at what Bruno does, he can drop into that pocket. But the expectation is that number nines do that now. You, number nines are kind of just false nines. So be a striker, but also drop into the pocket. A little bit like Harry Kane does, you know, salute to Harry Kane. That's what you want your striker to do now. So I'd like to see that because I do think that Bruno in central midfield or as the number 10, there's potential issues there. We've seen them this season. They're factual. They're not coming out of Rob Blanchett's brain. They're on a football pitch. We can all see them. It's just how strongly you feel about those things. And I think Eric Ten Hag in the final now will play Bruno at 10 just because you're going to probably play Anthony on the right, aren't you? So you bring him back at 10. You might go and stick Jaden on the bench, depending on what happens with Rashford. And you probably play Vega or like the number nine. So I'd like to see it, but you can't really experiment at this time of the season, can you? You've got to go and win games now. Every game counts. You can't just try something and then lose that match, and then tell the fans, oh, we just were giving it a go this week to see if it works. No, 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 no. You might be able to do it in pre-season, Scott. Start a pre-season with Bruno as a false nine, if you're trying to buy a number nine, maybe, and you're looking at it that way. Uh, and I think Bruno's so much better around the box. Look at the goal for Fred. That was Bruno on mm-hmm. the edge of the box, looking up, the perfect pass into Fred's feet, and then Fred with the perfect shin ball, the best shin ball since Wayne Rooney did it as an overhead kick against Man City, which I saw in my very own eyes, the best shin ball of all time. So Fred could do that, but that was all about Bruno, wasn't it? So we need more of Bruno doing that at the top of the pitch, less of Bruno pulling people around in the box by their arm because of whatnot in the 15th minute. Don't do that, Bruno. Go play your football up that end of the pitch. Two other comments I will get into, but we're probably not going to... I'll just put it up there. We're not going to address them in detail today because this might be a future show on its own. Uh, Aaron says, thanks for reading our comments. Uh, A caveat to what Rob has said about Fred. Have you ever seen him pass backwards? And if he has misplaced passes, he'd never shy away from asking for the ball again. the, The interesting part of this comment was actually my ideal summer wish list. Kane, De Jong, Caicedo, Timber, and Raya. Good, great episode again, guys. And then Dave Lewis absolutely gave us an essay of players that he would like to see signed by Man United, one of them being Harry Kane. Really appreciate this, Dave. Um, but this is probably going to be an episode on its own at some <laughs> point in the future. Maybe in the international break, we'll see. Um, there's an international break coming up in March. But uh, yeah, dream scenario, sell. Martial, McTominay, Fred... Harry Maguire, by Kane, Veghorst, Frankie, Sabitzer, Kim, 
Costa. We'll see how much money United have to play with in the summer because that's going to cost a lot of Kim's money. Kim's an but, interesting one. Yeah, Kim's, Kim's an, an interesting, interesting one. one. I think we talked about him before. But yes, uh, we'll address what United should do or which players are at risk of being sold, uh, which players United should buy, sell, etc. in the summer in a future show because I feel like that's a show on its own. Uh, but in terms of immediate concerns, Manchester United play a Carabao Cup final on Sunday at Wembley against Newcastle United. Uh, it should be a hell of a day. Two sets of fans who will be there making a hell of a lot of noise. Uh, and let's hope United can get over the line and win their first trophy since 2017. I'll wrap it there, Rob. Any final thoughts? No, good luck to our boys at Wembley. And I, I think, you know, these are two teams here that probably feel that they deserve a trophy this year after the strides that they've made. But let's put Newcastle to one side and just look at the United angle of it. I think when you look at Manchester United, if they do get a trophy this year, that is a fantastic achievement in year one for this manager and with the things that he's tried to achieve. But do you know what? The league position for me is so much more important than this trophy, than the League Cup, you know, the EFL Cup. Good trophy to win, but a nice trophy to win in your building, in your steps as you move forward. Um, let's see if they can do it again. I think the, the, the performances have been really good when they faced adversity. So if Newcastle come and bring it, I think Manchester United will bring it too. That is it for us today. Like we say, Manchester United play in a cup final at Wembley on Sunday. Hope you enjoy it, everyone. Get your comments in for us. We'll continue to read them out. Um, more detail, the better, to be honest. And might even give us some ideas for future shows, as we've just mentioned there. You can subscribe wherever you get your pods, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes, and watch us twice a week, usually Tuesdays and Fridays as well. Uh, we're also on YouTube. Like this video, like all the videos we do. Uh, watch all the videos we do. Subscribe to the channel so make sure you don't miss one. Put the notification bell on. That's something I never say to do, but you should do it. Uh, join the community with us. Leave a comment, as I say. And uh, you can get us on Twitter too. Plenty of you do. Uh, we really appreciate it. At underscore Scott Saunders. At underscore Rob underscore B. And at Promise and MU for the show. We'll be back after the Carabao Cup final to reflect on whether Man United lift the trophy or not. Thanks again, Rob. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. We'll see you soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.